I get my nom, nom, nom on with the my top chicks and we will eat on, eat on the weekly dish. Welcome back to The Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Hey, I'm Steph Merch. And if any of you listening are interested in sponsoring the show, we do have an opening. So just let us know if that is something you are interested in. Um, sponsors come and sponsors go. And we're in the go phase right now. So looking for the next person. So let us know if you're out there looking for that. Um, also, it is the top two in our two, and Lindsay is filling in for Hope, so she's going to play our music right now. <laughs> we think. We didn't give her very much notice. And it takes like a minute or two to fire it up. Which one? Um, <laughs> let's see. Top two. Top two. Top hour two. two. And if you don't see it, we'll top just. Top two, hour two. Okay. There is your best there you Giving me a, a one, two, one, two. two right? And now it's and time now. for the top two in our, our two. two. That's pretty Give good then. There it you is. go. And I do things. Now, the weekly dish presents top two, top two. The top two. Pick your best two. In our two. All right, give me two. All right, so I'll go first. I will tell you that I made uh, crab cakes on you Christmas made them? Day. Nice. Yes. And I wanted to share them with everybody because I don't think we've talked about the crab cakes that I make, which are the Ocean Air, the original Ocean Air crab cakes. Okay. And they are so, they're the best crab cakes on the planet because they are not fried and they are not these mealy over. My worst thing about crab cakes is when you get this puck, this like weird brown fried crispy puck that has just a bunch of mealiness in the middle because they overmix the crab meat. And so then you get this shreddy weird thing. I don't, that is not a crab cake that I ever want to eat. Maryland style crab cakes take jumbo lump crab, which you can buy in the can at Byerly's and Lund's. And I know I've seen it at uh, Fresh Market. I've seen it all over. You just look in like kind of the, by wherever you would find locks. Usually they have a can mm-hmm. of crab meat and you just basically, what it is, it is so simple. You make a dressing, like a, like there's a tarragon, you know, with a little bit of cream and, and some good spices, mustard, a lot of mustard in there. And you make a dressing and then you cube up a bunch of bread, you know, so maybe two cups of bread and you put it into a bowl. You throw the dressing and then the lump crab meat in there and you basically barely mix it all together so that the bread soaks up the dressing and then you barely make them into these sort of baseball shapes and you stick them on a baking sheet and you bake them. You do not fry them. They get baked. And so then they turn into this beautiful, lovely, unctuous sort of a little bit lovely crust on the outside, but soft and just crabby in the middle. So good. So that's my ocean air crab cake. I'm surprised. I always thought they used, um, I always thought they used saltines in them. Saltines. Yeah. Maybe some people do. But no, but no, I like an actual chunk of bread. And I mean, is again, you know, it's kind of like a little cube. Then if it soaks up the dressing, it gets soft. You yeah. know, it's still sort of there, but it's it's mostly in my mind, a crab cake should be mostly crab. Well, and I lived in Maryland, so I feel like if you've lived in Maryland, you can be somewhat of a crab cake expert and a good crab cake 
like yum. Yeah. And I never would make them because I always lived there. But now that you're talking about it, it that is, could be my New Year's Eve treat. That's what I was thinking. Because if you were I'm doing. I'm still looking for the perfect meal. But are you not going to do lobster? I don't know. Because, but you can still do. Because we did the prime rib with the crab cake. That's your surf and turf. But I would. I ha, I'm going to have the lobsters a couple days. Are they going to be okay in the refrigerator? Are they going to be alive? Days? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, they won't be alive after a little while. Yeah, but, so I I might have to but do you a can tail freeze or them. Hunt. I mean, I use frozen lobster all the time because I don't buy live lobsters. Yeah, I don't like the hissing when you cook it. And it's I'm not just, against killing lobsters. It's the shell, It's the air from the shell. It just sounds like they're screaming, and I know they're not. They're not. But it's still just like jarring. Okay. All right, so... So I'm going to put up an, a recipe for the ocean air crab cake Please, for you guys. it sounds absolutely delicious. Okay, so... One of the things that is my top two is kind of a weird thing, but I really, one of the things I enjoy about the holidays so much is taking out all of my like flatware, my, cause I have like vintage sterling silver flatware from lots of grandmas, my mom, I've got weird serving pieces and I have a full set of like sterling silver flatware, but then I have all these dribs and drabs of flatware that give me so much joy. Like the little pie server and yeah. the little scoop and the little teeny tiny ladle for the horseradish cream. Yeah. And I just, I love vintage flatware. And it, as I pull it all out, I'm like, why don't people do this more? Why don't people just buy f- random pieces of flatware and put it together as like a mixed match set? Yeah. And they do this on Food 52. They sell it. They go and they find flatware that's vintage and they sell it for $40 a set. Oh, and there's just something really nice about getting out your pieces of people's history yeah. and eating off of it. I agree. Like the old dishes, the old cups, the coops. I had the um, two, I have for whatever reason, two champagne glasses that my mom and dad used in a toast when they were married. Yeah. And my dad was visiting. So I was like, hey, dad, here's this. He was like, well, how did you get that? I'm like, I don't know, but it's here and I'm yeah. drinking champagne out of it tonight in your honor. Cheers. Would you ever, I know Julia Moskin takes heritage silver things, you know, and dips them and makes uh-huh. them anew again. Would you ever do that with any of your yeah, stuff? Yeah, I have done some. You have done. I've done a bowl. I've done a tray. I've done a um, another tray. I've done like a serving piece. Yeah. Julia Moss, it's on Hennepin Avenue, and they can take your vintage pieces and dip them in this process that you can turn them white or Tiffany blue or hot pink. They have all different colors that they do, and then you can serve out of them and yeah. eat out of them or use them as decorative pieces. I haven't done that yet. I still like my silver actually to be silver. Some of uh, the silver is silver plate, so it's not like high quality silver, but it's meaningful to you. But maybe you don't use it as much because you have to polish it. Like I have some candlesticks she did for me mm-hmm. that I love. They're yeah. like a whole brand new thing because I have a couple pairs of candlesticks from different rallies. Yeah. That's and, you know, you can't. How many pairs of silver candlesticks do you need? No, no, I know, not not a lot. So I'm bringing back vintage <laughs> flatware. Okay, do it. I like it. All right. Well, my second one is sort of a fun thing that I discovered because so over the holiday, you know, um, I got I got Joey a Dutch oven, a little Dutch thing called the Duchess from something called Great Jones. So Great Jones is a what they're calling one of those new disruptors, you know, of kind of one of the new purveyors. Like Le okay. Crusette is definitely a place, you know, that you think of like your cast iron Dutch ovens. Le Crusette, obviously a standard bearer. But Great Jones, named for Judith Judith Jones, the legendary editor of oh, Julia Child. Sure. Um, they have a whole bunch of different pans and different 
cookware things. And I found a Dutch oven that was pink and that they call it's called the Duchess. And what I like about it, too, is that it has a gray enamel interior so that because, you know, your white Dutch ovens, they get scratched and you can see the scratches and everything else. And they get stained. They get stained. And then but the black ones, you can't necessarily see the browning as well. You can't. It's harder to tell when things are cooking, you know, to the level you need. And so the gray is supposed to be this nice, even tone that you can see, but it won't scratch. Anyway, it's a gorgeous, it's Dutch a oven. gorgeous Dutch oven and it's beautiful. And I was very excited to give it. But here's the, the but this inspired what my actual top two is, which is the fact that he and I kind of talk cooking more than the, any of the other kids. But he lives in Chicago and he said, send me the ocean air crab cake recipe. And I said, you know what we should have is we should have a site where we just have a recipe box that you and I put things in. But I didn't know of one, and I found one. So it's called One Teaspoon. It's one. It's o n e t s p dot com. Okay. One teaspoon dot com, and it's basically an online recipe box that you can add your recipes. You can you can import recipes that you see online, but you can also add in your mom's recipes or whatever your or like whatever recipes you riff, and then they're there, and you can access it from anywhere. So we have the same login. He can put in his things. I can put in my things, and then we have a virtual shared recipe. Box. I like that. Isn't this idea. a good idea? We should do this for a weekly dish. I know. So I have, um, I was thinking about that. We have in there, um, and there's, it's free for 150 and then it's five bucks, I think, to upgrade to premium where you have unlimited recipes. Okay. But you can tag them so that you can also make your recipes. So I put in Oma's pound cake in there. Yep. And you can tag that as cake. You can tag that as dessert. You can tag it as Oma. You can do it however tagging system you want. So then it's searchable. So then when you get to 150, you can think, what were those Oma recipes? And you can put Oma in, and then all of a sudden it pulls up all the oh, recipes. Oh, I love this idea out. stuff. That's great. I know. So I was very excited by this. So one tsp.com and I'm going to put a link up on the Facebook page so you guys can see it. Okay. And maybe that could be like a weekly dish resolution in 2019 that we have a recipe box. Yeah. I, I think, like I it. mean, a lot of people, I think it would be a cool idea. And we could use it on the weekly dish instant potters. Like this is live strategery happening right now, friends. Mm -hmm. We do this a lot, though. (laughs) We do. We're going to go ahead and uh, take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about food trends. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the weekly dish. We really appreciate you being here with us on this Saturday. And this time of year, we start to get all trendy. We start start Thinking about, about trends. Yeah, and about kind of the wrap up of the year. Like we kind of like there's a lot of places that have been taking stock, talking about what the, the food year was like. And then they kind of look and you kind of like have a big picture view of what's been going on. Um, I'm going to just wrap down like a very I've been collecting little t- dribs and drabs of trends for a while here. But Stephanie, paganism is something we're going to be hearing about. And it's so confusing to me. I'm not exactly for it. No. I don't think it should be called, well. A pegan is a combination of the paleo diet and a vegan diet. And they're completely different, right? Because paleo, you're supposed to be like a heavy meat eater. And vegan, you're supposed to only be eating non-meat things. Non-animal products. Vegan is non-animal products. Whereas paleo is mostly animal, you know, with a lot of eggs and meat and things like that. But they both are non-dairy. That's what's interesting. Yeah. So a pegan eats fresh, whole food in its natural state, free of processed ingredients, refined carbohydrates, and additives. 
So I don't know. That one seems a little janky to me. Basically what they're saying with Pegan is that it's it's you're going vegan, you're doing whole vegetables and whole without and there's no grains, but you're not going to give up meat. So you're not going to give up meat, but you're still willing to give up dairy. So I the hard part for me is like as much as vegans tend to drive me a little crazy cuz they get very very the people who tell me that, you know, you're not a feminist if you eat eggs, which I think is hysterical. <laughs> Um, but that's new because they come out of the because you're not supporting chickens. females. If you're not Whoa. supporting females, you're not a feminist. Okay. So this is the whole thing. But anyway, my thing is like I, I respect the fact that they're doing it ethically. Veganism is because of a feeling that you have about animals, and and then to say, but I'm going to eat the meat part. I'm going to actually eat the animals. I would be if I was a vegan. I would say take my name away from that whatsoever. They're gonna, there's going to be some tussling is what I think. That's funny. Yeah. Very funny. Yeah. I realized, too, that I didn't do my second top two an hour. I know you didn't, but. Uh, it's because you're talking about vegan. Um, and it's if you're going Whole30, here's a, just a quick tip for you. Uh, salad Girl Salad Dressing has two, the pomegranate pear and the citrus splash, neither of which have sugar in them. So right now, a lot of you are shopping because you're planning your dry Januaries and your whole 30s. And I that was a lifesaver for me because it was different than all the other ranch dressing that you can have. Because whole 30, you could just pound ranch dressing. You know that, right? It's like they put it on everything. No, I don't because I'm not ever going to do whole 30. <laughs> I'm not doing any weird, crazy dieting this year. Good. Here's what I'm doing for January, Stephanie. Wait, I let's forgot. talk about this at the end because we okay. still have food trends to cover. All right. Okay. So what? What another big thing that is coming? We talked about the oat milk and everything else like that. That's one of those big things that's coming. And we talked about the CBD oil with Thai because that is another huge thing. Mushrooms are going to be a big trend this year. And do you want to know why? Because it kind of folds into this. It's like a meat substitute. Yeah, and there you can get a good. Um, you can get mushrooms to taste like meat, like mushroom jerky. Right. Those kind it of provides things. that umami, that sort of, you know, unctuousness that you kind of want from meat. So a lot of places, besides the fact that mushrooms are going to be found in a lot of burgers, people are going to be blending beef with mushrooms. They're also going to be sort of used as that sort of chunky midsection of a plate. Yep. I like it. Um, there's a lot of trends here. Bee pollen is still on trend. We've seen that uh, emerging a little bit more. Also, um, our friend at North Star Crickets, cricket protein, cricket still, powder, cricket I flour. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. I know that that has been a trend. I mean, like people have been trying to get that trend to kind of take off. I still feel like that might be a little far off. I still don't know if this is the year for crickets or not. I, I don't hope. know if it has enough wide enough distribution. And I don't know if we've had somebody kind of own it in a very fun way. Well, there's two big in the United States, two big cricket farms. Yeah. He's trying to launch another cricket farm in the Twin Cities. He calls himself a cricket rancher. Yeah. I did a podcast with them. It's pretty interesting. We should have him on maybe. But I mean, like, that's great and all, but if people aren't eating them, if we don't see the general public buying it, it you can farm all you want, but it's not going to go anywhere. It's They're using it in powdered form, so they're putting it in things when you don't know what's in there. Like the at T-Rex cookies they have, our Tina Rexing is doing the chocolate chirper chip cookies. And it's like the powder in there. So there's extra protein in the cookie and it is from crickets, but it's not necessarily like you're chomping down on a cricket. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just don't know. I mean, I'm I, I'm for it. Trust me. I know that alternative proteins, this is the beginning when we look at the Impossible Burger, when we look at, you know, heme, which is what they have produced to sort of have this sort of, you know, redness and this sort of bloodiness. Heme. And then you think of the mushrooms. This is all on track. I just think crickets is maybe that harder reach for the mainstream. I don't know. We'll see. Um, 
a trend that they're saying is fast food showing up at your doorstep. So we've seen the apps like Grubhub and Uber Eats delivering, you know, restaurant food. But now they're going to be to the point where they're going to be able to be delivering fast food. They've been doing this for a long time. They're like, saying it's a trend. They, uh, I mean, like teenagers are getting McDonald's delivered all the time. <laughs> I've um, seen this. How about milkshake IPAs? Yeah, that's we. Yeah, we called that in October when we did the beer issue. I mean, honestly, and the funny thing is, the beer community—they are both pro and con. It it came out on our survey of brewers of local brewers uh-huh. of the thing that they are most excited about and the thing they want to go away the most. Like it's, it is across the board, either loved or hated. They're IPAs uh, brewed with lactose, so they have kind of a a malt um, cabbage. Cabbage is coming back. They're using it as a wrap for stuffing things. So like uh, cabbage leaf enchiladas. There's also cabbage chips, cabbage lasagna. How do you feel about cabbage? I don't. I like cabbage in kimchi form. I'm not against it. I don't like cabbage the way that cabbage necessarily tastes, just the way that it's traditionally cooked where it's kind of like, you know, um, where it's kind of steamed and like it does take on sort of sulfurous tone. But I, I I was up at Willard's in uh, Cambridge, Eric Carsey's restaurant, and he had a grilled cabbage salad that was spectacular. It was purple cabbage. It was Yum. beautiful. I love cabbage. Yeah. It has to be done right. But I mean, I could see that coming back for sure. Um, how about uh, sleep drinks? So these are sleepy time drinks um, where the key ingredients are like valerian, lemon peel, chamomile, uh, ways to help you get more melatonin so they're spiked sleep drinks uh sure uh is that a thing i haven't Tom heard that sleep one yet. is one that's pretty popular hillary duff and jenna dewan use it um so sleep drinks i can see that yeah no i think that's a big thing i think there's a lot of i think the drink category in and of itself you know has like they're gonna see a lot more of Interesting flavored waters. I don't think, I think sodas. I think it's like soda pop and everything else, like Diet Coke and Coke and all those guys are continuing to hurt because they're sort of, they're outside of this, you know, the gut healthy trends and all this health and, and, and thoughtfulness to eating. They're, they have to find new ways to diversify. So they're going to go into more of these kind of drinks. Have you heard of this ugly produce trend? Yeah. So the ugly I think foods. that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a large part of the whole waste, you know, thing as well. The big t- trend for, you know, being con- uh, conscious of your consumption and what goes into the garbage and what can still be used. And so a lot of that is the ugly food. I mean, I can't believe that. I, it seems so strange to me that that re- uh, that grocery stores only put out pretty things. I was at Fresh Time and they had a bag of um ugly lemons and they were cheaper than the not ugly lemons and they were kind of misshapen and somewhere a little small yeah but i was like yeah for a buck 50 that's just going into my drink so it's fine yeah no i absolutely believe that that's and as you know people again it's kind of that theory and that thinking of of being more conserving of your stuff yeah and just being a little more aware of some of the things that you're seeing um i hear that avocado toast is going away Oh, that's kind of sad. Yeah, they said that everyone is kind of feeling that they are probably not going to uh, that it's definitely on a downtrend that people are not loving it as much. Unicorn theme things also may be going away. Darn it. Yeah. How about um, Celtus, which is the new kale? It is a better lettuce, apparently. Um, Let's see. It is lettuce that 
is mixed with it's it looks I'm trying to describe it to you. <laughs> I know. It looks like a palm tree. So it's a Chinese lettuce bred to highlight the long crunchy stem. So it's kind of a cross between kale and a cross between um celery root sort of looking. Well, I do think that because of the way that the vegan culture is, you know, kind of starting to boom a little bit more in vegetarian and more of this, uh, I think people are going to be looking for alternative vegetables. They don't want to just eat broccoli. They don't want to eat just asparagus. So they are going to be looking for more of this. And also the fact that our global view is expanding. People are looking to different cultures and the way that they use different foods. So I think that that is a huge piece where those kind of, I think vegetables will continue to be a star. There is a global mashup of spice and flavor and people are wanting to push that boundary past, you know, Sri Racha and Go to go to Chong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to see more of um, the spice world and different spices that we haven't heard of before. One thing I thought was interesting is one somebody the door, which is just a uh, you know kind of a, a group, had talked about that they were going to see restaurants offering all day dining as a trend, and I thought that was a very strange thing to say when you consider the labor crunch that's happening because people can't open for lunch because they don't have the staff to do it. Right. So if even if they wanted to, they can't do it. Which is maybe that's just up here, but I don't know why. That like that can't possibly be a trend. Like even if they wanted it to be a trend, uh, better employee benefits along yep. that line is yep. a trend. More kid friendly menus, um, tea bars. Well, they're also talking about the activist consumer is a trend, and so you know that's something that you have to then be accountable for all levels of things. I mean, Eater has pretty much taken over the helm of you know, shaming the bad acting chefs for everything. And, you know, and that's I'm whatever they're doing. I mean, Mike Isabella says that he, uh, the chef who was called out, the top chef guy, yep. who says who has to declare bankruptcy. And he says it's because of the bad press he's gotten. And, of course, it's mostly because of his bad actions, of course, that have caused the bad press. But nonetheless, that's holding accountability. And I think that's what restaurants are going to have to then start to think about in terms of how do they present themselves. It's no longer just, hey, is this a good grilled cheese? It's who are you serving me this grilled cheese? That's interesting. I know. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll be doing more trends and beverage trends. We'll listening to the Weekly Dish. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. We are talking trends and wrapping up the year in food and talking about the things uh, that have happened and things that are going to happen that we're predicting for 2019. Uh, Let's talk about some dranks. Let's. Let's talk about the dranking thing. So let's talk about beer. We did talk, we just touched on the milkshake, which is a big, you know, thing. But here's Forbes is predicting, by the way, that uh, brew pubs and brewery tap rooms are still blanketing the nation and they are with, but they're getting a growing pushback from retailers and wholesalers. Like the riff, like the, you know, immediately it was like, support local beer and let's all get it on the bandwagon. But now they're finding that the brew pubs and breweries are sort of taking, they are doing what, a lot of people were afraid they were going to do, which is taking business away from retailers and bars and everything else. So there's going to be some pushback on that. So like maybe we'll see liquor stores that won't carry some of their brands. Yeah. Huh. I know. Interesting. Right? Because if you think about it, you know, they don't, yeah. uh, they basically, and they don't want it to be like this fight thing, you know, but I mean, basically they have to try to figure out their own margins and figure out how much it costs and right. All the, but if you can buy a growler for cheaper then you can buy a six pack, you know, and that kind of thing, you can go get a $5 tap versus having to pay, you know, 12 bucks for, uh, to support yep. the whole system. It's tough. 
Uh, they also believe that breweries will close. There will be a swath of breweries that will start to close because of the fact that there's saturation is yeah, happening in I a lot of that's markets. Probably true. Yeah. Um, they also there's uh, they're talking about uh, that they are pe- that people making beer at home is going to become more refined. And that now, you know, even though it's funny that the the brewery, you know, system the started with a lot of home brewers and then they opened their tap rooms, but that more people are going to return to doing it themselves in different ways huh. and infusing and everything like that. Um, here's an interesting one. Well, first of all, they all talk about their, so I remember last year I had said that mocktail bars were going to happen and we didn't see one locally, but nationally there were some places that were non-alcoholic bars opened up. And so that in bigger cities, I think it's a possibility where you can go and there is no booze, but you're still getting mocktails and it's still that vibe in that scene where people can go and hang out and listen to great music. And so there's a few of those that are uh, happening nationally, but we haven't seen one yet here. I don't know if we will, because I don't know if the margins are good enough. <laughs> but one of the interesting things, and this is, I don't know if you think about this, um, there's, they're talking about that we're going to see more bespoke bars and i hate that word like Me you too. wouldn't believe but the idea is that there is no menu and the idea is you walk in and you have a conversation with the bartender and you talk about what you like and what you don't like and what like some of your you know how you're feeling maybe you know where you are in your in your life journey at the moment and they uh customize uh, an experiential customized personal drink for you which you can get that now. Yeah, you can do that, but having no menu whatsoever. I think the idea of that is interesting, but I also think... Exhausting. It's exhausting. <laughs> and also, you're never going to get a drink. It's just exhausting. It's going to be a 40-minute drink. Like, yeah. think about that. So, like, the bartender has to come up with, invent something for you, you know, like, every time. I don't right. know. I don't know. It's kind of interesting, but there's that. Um, canned cocktails? Yeah. Continue. Yes. How about uh, turmeric and rose emerging as top cocktail flavors with tarragon and celery root? Oh, totally. I think savory cocktails are coming big time. I think that the bittering, you know, and the souring and the whole like, you know, tartness of things, again, is moving into the vegetal. It kind of goes all along with the, the waste and everything else, but also vegetables and everything else kind of bringing in. And people who are against, you know, trying to cut sugar out. And so yep. the cocktails, they want to kind of go... A little bit more. Um, Which isn't that ironic that, you know, we're cutting out sugar and yet yeah. you're drinking alcohol, which is sugar. <laughs> I know. I know. But, you know, you got to start somewhere. I know. And, and but, you know, and then a couple in the industry, they said that actually fruity and fun cocktails that were, you know, popular roughly a decade ago, the power pink drinks, those are coming back. So maybe it's, you know, as this rises, so does this. Yeah. It's kind it's of like the same pendulum. thing. Yeah, but just that idea of like, you know, they're kind of like those big kind of showy, pink, crazy looking things. Those are coming back. Irish whiskey is about to have a boom. Huh. Yep. And it's good. It is. The Teeling Whiskey Distillery opened in the heart of Dublin, hundred, you know, 125 years after the last distillery was shuttered there. So Irish whiskey is just starting to crank back up, you know? That's funny. I know. So that's kind of interesting to me that Irish whiskey, when we talk about Japanese whiskey and we talk about all the kind of different whiskeys, the Americans who are doing crazy things. But speaking about Japanese liqueurs and everything else, gin, Japanese whiskey, obviously, you Mm -hmm. know, is a total fascination of mine, but they've also carried into a lot of, um, you know, I mean, they're obviously one of the more popular and crazy things in the world. Japan is going to start getting into gin and vodka now. 
Okay. And so you're going to see it. Nika already has a gin. That's a really delicious thing. But because they've seen the tourist trade around the whiskey really pump them up, they're going to start, they're going to keep on the spirits track and they're going to start moving into some gins and vodkas. It'll be interesting to see how the water and the terroir of Japan impacts some of these spirits. Yeah. Because it's made whiskeys really different. Yeah, it's 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 definitely about the water for whiskey, for sure. Um, you know, and we'll kind of see what they're... Well, the interesting thing to me is their botanicals are different, if you're talking about gin. And then also the palate of, you know, Japan is so different from the West in terms of, you know, it's not buttery and say it's it's very much more acidic and stringent right. and, and sort of fish, I think, of things like, you know, soy sauce, like those kind of things, fermented. It's That is definitely more of their palate. So how will that affect it? Yeah. I know. It's interesting. Um, here's the deal. The straw thing, the bar straws. I mean, like that's basically if you're going to be doing straws, plastic straws, you're going to start to get shunned. Yeah, I'm ready for straws to go away. It's I don't okay. actually think in cocktails, especially, I don't think I don't think they matter. I don't use a straw in my cocktail. Right. I stir with it, but then that could be a little piece of wood. That could be. Yep. A I stick. guess it's I guess it's strange to me to think of anybody who drinks out of straws and cocktails anyway. To me, I think it's more of I would rather not drink out of straws. How do you feel about plantain infused scotch or harissa infused mezcal? Oh, I think with mezcal, I think I'm fine with that. I'm fine. There's a lot of infusions. I just don't like the sweetening of things, like right. where they get into that sugary thing, like when they make cinnamon. I mean, Fireball is its own thing, right? But I mean, <laughs> when they go good. cinnamon apple whiskey, right? It's basically like a sport shake. It's not really whiskey anymore. So. I have a feeling about it. So I don't mind an infusion if it's a natural thing. And I also don't mind if it's sort of like gives a little bit of a hint. But when it takes it over, then I have a problem with it. Um, drink menus are changing. They're uh, the overall size is shrinking and they're going to be saving to save on waste. Again, the zero waste thing is coming in huge on the trend reports. Yeah. I hope that I like it works. It. Right. Um, Brandy is getting a moment. Finally. The, How do you feel about that? Uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Just, you know. Yeah, it's good. I think that there's a lot of people who are, you know, and of course the uh, Copper and Kings is kind of the people are who are kind of spearheading a lot of this and they're really pushing into that craft section of brandy and maybe making it smaller because it's uh, it's kind of, uh, besides Corbell, you know, being Wisconsin's big old thing. Right. Um, but they're talking about, uh, you know, if you want to go ch- sample some really amazing brandies, of course, F- Bachelor Farmer has a great list, by the way. What about this like savory cocktails you talked about? They have one here that's a gin cocktail featuring cucumber, mint, Greek yogurt, and lemon. Yeah. To emulate a gyro. Yeah. That's funky. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of things coming into cocktails that we will not have seen before. And yet at the same time, it's because I think they want to do something different, but they kind of, they also want to make it drinkable. They also want to make it fast you know so i think a batched thing where they can control these levels of things is going to be easier for people to do um and then they can control the abv on it you know the alcohol by volume and those kind of things and that's a big thing too the low proofs are going to continue to rain so that you can drink more if you think about it it's wicked smart for restaurants and bars who are who are serving food with their alcohol because then you can drink more you can pay more all that kind of good stuff. How about these new pairings? So like oysters and gin pairings. Yeah. And uh, they have crickets and Pisco pairings, which we'll see. Wild yeah. boar and burgundies. 
pairings, like different proteins paired with different liqueurs? Yeah, I definitely think that there's um, there's a lot more of dinners coming, like cocktail dinners. Also, instead of it just being about wine dinners and beer dinners, pairing cocktail dinners, you're going to see more of those. And also cocktails paired on menus. How about the most popular drink prediction for 2019? Yeah. Wait for it. Aperol Frosés. Yeah. They say that's going to be all the rage in 2019. But Frosés already kind of are the rage, right? In the summertime. But Aperol will make it like an orange flavor. Yeah. Um, there's going to be Amaro's on tap. Well, the whole blending thing is happening in town, as you know, where instead of saying like this is a Bacardi rum and Coke, they say it's just a rum and Coke. And then they say... You know, there's three kinds of rums that we have blended together to create the perfect rum. So personal blending is going to start coming and they'll start doing it on tap. I like that. That's fun. So that'll be really fun, too. And then just glassware. Bars are using less glassware. Cocktails are shrinking back instead of having like one glass for every single drink. They're going to do, you know, like maybe they'll have four styles of glassware and then all the cocktails will fit into those things because again that's challenging but i like that as a consumer it's more fun it is well i mean it's easier for the bar they don't have to you know they don't have to like because then if you're out of if you break two of the nick and nora glasses you know then it's like oh god now we can't make this cocktail right. you have to put it somewhere else and then it changes everything and you have to order a whole new set so anyway a lot easier that way i think i like it so there you go there's some drinking trends as we move into uh into the year i do think that the one thing that is going to be interesting the biggest trend is Drinking with a social cause. And that is people who are seeking out drinks with a social cause attached um, from brands to bars to recipes, tying it either to like a zero waste program or sustainability or animal cruelty free. All that kind of stuff is going to affect how people pick their drinks. So that's all right. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to wrap it up. And I want to know what your resolution for 2019 is. We'll be right back. This is Weekly Dish. Welcome back to the Weekly Dish, Steph. It's the moral of the story. Well, instead of the moral of the story today, I would like to know what your 2019 resolution, a resolution that you have that is not about eliminating or shrinking or making anything smaller. It is only about expanding, expanding your life, your horizons, something like that. Okay, well, I put this on my Facebook page, but Elizabeth Reese, who is a regular contributor to the Weekly Dish, talks about intentions right and that's not my favorite word but she was like I don't make resolutions I find a word so last year the word was honor my body it was three words but I really that whole year like when I didn't feel like getting up I would think about that when I I just I thought about it a lot and that was last year so I was trying to think of what my word for this year is mm-hmm. and you want to know what my word is what quiet <laughs> And it's really? a couple of things. Yeah. So it's a enjoying more just quiet space in my life. I have everything jam packed and scheduled and I do things sometimes that I don't really want to do, but I just do them because I need to be doing things. Mm-hmm. So this idea that I can just stop engaging in everything and just be quiet with myself. Nice. That's part of it. Yeah. And the other part is nature being in nature more because that always makes me happy. Yeah. And one of the things I discovered this year is when I started running again, I really had missed the quiet of the outdoors. Yes. That's so awesome. The third thing. Yeah. Like I get caught up in like the drama or the friend stuff or the gossip stuff or, and just this idea that 
I I can just be quiet and I don't need to share. I don't need to overshare. Social media kind of plays into this too. Like when you're just tweeting and retweeting and you're kind of in this frenzy of just the scroll, mm-hmm. like just kind of being quiet for a second and having more respect for myself and for what's coming out of my mouth and what I'm contributing to the world. I like this. Quiet. This is all really good. Yeah. I really like that. And I've been thinking about it and I've just, I've been thinking about it. So that's my word for next year. It's just quiet. Okay. And it's not dieting. It's not. Right. That's my point. I don't want to know about what anybody is cutting out of their lives. I only want to know about how you are expanding your life. I don't care about how you're limiting and slicing and trying to be less. I want more. I want everybody to want more. Is that your word more? No, my word, I would say that if I had to pick a word, it would probably be to reconnect. And I feel like I have um, sort of lost some threads in my life with people who matter. And I have sort of taken for granted some of the relationships and sort of let things sort of fall in a lot of ways. Um, but I want to reconnect in a meaningful way. And so that means in terms of like honoring people who say, Hey, let's go to lunch. I ran into a woman who I love dearly at the liquor store this, you know, on Christmas Eve and she and I and I'm like, how many times have we said over the last year, let's get together. We've done it a million times. And then we both make sort of semi plans and then we both drop them. So my idea is like, nope, Kate and I are going to have lunch and like, I'm going to commit to that and I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to say, Hey, call me or I'm not going to, I'm not going to do the, the false flag on it because that I think also is, is a, is like a safety catch for me. Like I already said I would. And so then I don't have to think about doing it. Yeah, I, I can easily like I've already I like I've started the conversation, so that makes me feel better than the actual act of doing it, and then I feel like I move on. I read this thing where you're supposed to go through your calendar for 2018, and you have a positive column and a negative column, and you identify people you spent time with. <clears throat> like you look at your commitments, and you write, was this a positive experience or was this a negative experience? And then you like have it on paper, and you look because sometimes you spend a lot of time with negative people in your life. Yes. And you become, you don't have to cut them out necessarily, but you get real conscious about, look, I spend a lot of time with this person who does not bring me joy. Yeah. And I have, I have one of those that I'm dealing with that I am, you know, it's, and that's a part also of my reconnecting is reconnecting to my own self in that place. Because I think that this person, you know, or this relationship or whatever it is, you know, tends to, I tend to think more about what their needs are. And then I realize I'm just completely, completely letting everything else go in order to help to, so that I think I'm a good person. Yep. And I realize that that's not actually being a good person. So I'm trying to re understand that as well. So yeah, that's quiet too. That like is quiet. Time well, quiet is, I love quiet and quiet is definitely a thing that, um, you know, during the break, you know, I've been thinking about the social media thing, which is tough because it's my job, the actual thing that pays me. And so a lot of it, I, there's a necessity to it. But there's also this piece where I watch people and they throw everything they can into this weird space where is electronic and they're trying to put things out there and they're seeking approval from people and they chase the likes. And I think that's not the reality. And I worry about that. I worry about that with my kids. I worry about that with everybody. And so I think about that. The more that I can help people reconnect to people and to be, and I mean, I, I, again, it's my job to put it through there to help you get a connection, to go out to dinner. But I'm hoping that there's more of that, like enjoying your food instead of just taking pictures of your food. I guess that would be in my it's, mind. I hope they have, they have this thing where you can get your like top nine pictures of last year based on likes. Yeah. And I did the algorithm and I got my top nine 
And the funny thing was, is six of the nine pictures that were the top were pictures of my face. They were yeah. me. Like people want to connect with you as a person, right. not like your bowl of chili necessarily. I think that most people find that the face, you know, like or yeah. like a human interaction in the piece is actually more people like say that this is the top nine. I decided not to do that this year because I just thought, you know, again, I don't want to go dwelling on a ranking of of myself for what I put out there. Right. I just thought the things that I put out there, oftentimes I do because I know that it's a part of a communication with, you know, something with work. But then there's also things that I put out like last night, the roast beef sandwich was the very last bit of my, you know, Christmas roast beast. And I just thought about that in terms of that's just something that I thought was funny because marking the end of my roast beast. Yeah. You know, and I mean, like I still have some roast beast. Uh, yeah, no, I, that's the point is I cleared that out fast. But you know, kind of the idea of it doesn't have to worry about, I don't have to worry about like, did it make a hundred likes or did it, I'm just, it's out there. Like, There's been so much um, just negative negativity too with the uh, midterms on the political season and now the government shut down and whatever side you're on, uh, just being more thoughtful about like, what are we doing here? Like, let's just move the country forward in whatever way feels good to you in your universe. You're volunteering, you're local, spending well, time at your kid's school, whatever. I also but, think of reconnecting with people instead of on social media to issues, finding out things and learning about that is good. But when you talk to someone of a different value, of a different faith, of a different understanding, that, you know, political background, that usually advances thought processes more than just reading a one-sided polemic statement well and a friend of mine is really good about kind of putting her her money where her mouth is as it were and she went at this christmas time and laid wreaths on the graves over at fort snelling i was like wow that was really a nice thing to do she was like well i do volunteer work and i try to do things that get me out of myself and she's like there i was with all these families that have made these sacrifices she was like it was one of the most moving things i've ever done yeah and i just thought that's cool yeah Yes. Finding different ways to connect and more food, more, more food. dining, but dining with people you like and right. having people in your home and entertaining your super solstice was inspiring. I'm excited about that idea for next year. Yeah. Yeah. Gather people for soup and make a couple soups and then just a big crusty bread, but have everybody dip in. And there's something also too about soup. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because you're all cozy and homey. Yeah. And you're all kind of sipping off of a spoon yeah. from a bowl instead of like cutting into things. There's something about it that's a little bit more nourishing in a way. And so that's kind of a big thing. So you're going to have your big dinner on New Year's Eve. Yep. I don't know what I'm you having yet. yet. I still don't know. So stay tuned. More yeah. vintage shopping. Huh? More vintage shopping. I've been to the Goodwill and three times this week. Oh, have you? Oh, I'm just, yeah. For plates and I things? Don't know. Or? Yeah. I'm oh. starting to just, uh, yeah, I'm starting to collect things again. Okay. I purged, you know, when we moved. I know, and now right? I feel and like so it's time to bring to, things in to, again. To doing the nest a little bit. And that's good. Yep. But that is good. I know there's a lot of, uh, well, there's a lot of New Year's Eve parties happening and, um, you know, a lot of people getting ready to celebrate and doing all the fun stuff and just reminding people to stay safe out there. Yeah. And if you're going to drink, get an Uber, yeah. get a Lyft and do all and just be have aware. a driver. <laughs> They'll be out there for you. There's no reason to drink and drive these days. People no. not no. at all. No. And I have my annual burn party, which I'm very excited for, which is the end of letting things which is cleansing for the new year. Which when is, are you doing it? Uh, on Sunday night. Okay. So it's that whole thing of letting things go, putting them into, and whether they're good or bad, and you just put them into the big pit and you burn them and then you let it go so that you're cleansed and ready for the new year. So let me say, people, burn what you need to burn. 
cleansed and ready for the new year. Uh, we'll see you in the next year. Ciao, ciao. ciao. ciao.